This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. This um, passage that we're dealing with this morning, um, and we're looking at this morning, um, in verses 7 through 11, is a uh, is a promise. Uh, it's, it, it brings assurance. Now, I've, I've often used this passage, and I, I think, uh, rightfully so, I think. I mean, I think this is one application. But I have often used this passage to encourage um, unbelievers to seek the Lord. In other words, you know, you want to know the truth? Ask. You, you, you want to know the Lord, or if there truly is a God, seek Him. Knock at the doors of heaven. And those who ask um, will, will receive the answer. Those who seek shall find. Those who knock to them it shall be opened. But uh, in keeping it in, in context here, I, I, I think primarily what Jesus has in view is uh, His disciples. And so while I think that, that is an implication, I think we can speak to the lost and say, uh, in, in all sincerity, if you seek, you will find. Jesus said, um, He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. But again, in the context that it's given, I think He's speaking primarily to uh, His disciples, and so that's probably the, where the emphasis is going to be for us this morning. Now, we, we have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've seen a lot about uh, characteristics of children of the kingdom. That is, believers. For us... The kingdom of God is a reality, and it's a reality that impacts every aspect of our lives. We're not talking about fairy tales here. We're not talking about wishful thinking. We're not talking about you know positive mental attitude, and so that we can get through things that are a reality. In other words, put put your hope in something false as as a kind of a crutch to get through the real evils of this world. No, we're talking about reality. The kingdom of God. And we've, we've seen the contrast that Jesus draws between the mindset of the children of the kingdom and the mindset of the world. We have, we have different things in view. We, we live in this world. We walk through this world as, as children of the kingdom, as Christians, with a view to eternity. That's, that's in our sight. That's in our vision. So that has to have an effect on us in our daily living. We live in this world as Christians, as children of the kingdom, as children, in fact, of God, with an awareness of God's presence. Like David just spoke about a moment ago. It's reality. It's reality. We're not talking... Theoretically here, we're talking about experience and doctrine that, again, is not just uh, teaching in theory. It is something uh, that is real. A living God, a living relationship with a living Savior. The knowledge of Him. 
to walk with Him, to, to be led by His Spirit, to walk in His Spirit. That is, to be influenced by the very Spirit of God, to have in some sense a participation in His nature, to take on attributes of His that He, that he communicates to us, that He imparts to us. It's a reality. It's what Jesus has been talking about all the way through. This, this is not a set of rules. That, in fact, we're going, to, we're going to talk tonight, Lord willing, about kingdom law. You, you can't have a kingdom without law, can you? And the other option is anarchy, right? <laughs> there has to be order. There has to be law. Law and order. So tonight we're going to talk about the kingdom, of law, kingdom law. That's what we have in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. But this is not a set of rules, law, to be enforced on the world population. I mean, these are great things, aren't they, that we've been talking about. Humility of mind, you know, poverty of spirit, meekness, peacemaker. I mean, these are all great virtues. But the idea here is not that we would take these and, and make rules out of them to, to uh, force on society. No, these, this is the working of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is saying, this is what the work of God produces in His children. Not, not things that the world can work up, not things that Christians can work up on their own. It's the effects of the new nature. Regeneration. Being born again. The way that you enter into the kingdom of God, the way that you become a kingdom heir, is to be born again. And that's the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 6, and I want, to, I want to mention this because I want to be careful not to be misunderstood here. Verse 1, take heed. Well, let, let me go back further than that first because I want to, there, there's an inclusio here, um, brackets if you will. Um, that we're going to point out this morning and tonight. Um, and I've, I've already done this a little bit, but uh, chapter 5, verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he, he's talking about a the reason, again, I'm pointing this out again, is because he, he has a righteousness in view here all the way through this Sermon, true righteousness, real righteousness, righteousness that is not hypocritical in nature, a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, a righteousness that um, he sort of sums up by saying in verse 48, chapter 5, verse 48, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if, if Jesus had said, uh, you shall be 80% perfect, uh, that would blow my mind. Because <laughs> that, that's... Uh, how, how are you going to get there? That's a high standard. But He doesn't even do that. He says 100%. You, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, He says, take heed that you do not... Your um, charitable deeds are, as I mentioned before, uh, that you do not practice your righteousness or practice righteousness before men to be seen by them. 
It's unhypocritical. You don't do works of righteousness to, to win the favor of men, to, to gain esteem. Right? He's talking about a, a righteousness that it doesn't operate that way. It's not for the glory of man. It's a work of God for the glory of God. Now, that's what I want to be clear on. That's the reason I read uh, that section again, because we're talking about practicing righteousness, doing works of righteousness. How do we do that? By God's empowerment. In other words, uh, and I think it was Sheila that said it this morning in Sunday school, we were on a little bit different subject, but uh, had the same bottom line answer here. It's God doing it in us and through us. I want to be clear on that because I don't, I don't, I, I, I want to emphasize on one hand the responsibility of man. Jesus tells us these things because this is how we're to live. He's not just suggesting this would be nice. You know, it'd be nice if uh, the kingdom, children of the kingdom, were poor in spirit, or it'd be nice if they were meek, or it'd be nice if they were peacemakers. No, he's saying this is how they are. Because this is what God does in them. So, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a matter of fact. You know, this is how it is. And I think also it could be taken as an exhortation. In other words, if I, if I, if I look at myself, which I do, and say, ah, I don't have that poverty of spirit. I don't have that, that level of it. Maybe none of it. I don't have that meekness. I don't have um, the, char- the, the, the characteristic of peacemaker and so forth. Well, then it's an exhortation to pursue it. To pursue it. And how you do that is what, um, what we're going to talk about this morning. So, let me just say this before we even go any further. It, it, bottom line, it's God who does it. It's God who does it. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is the only righteous one. And none of these things that Jesus talks about can be produced um, merely by the will of man. Cannot be done. We, we depend on the power of God to do in us what He's called us to do. To live the way that He wants us to live, to live in the manner that pleases Him, we, we are dependent upon Him. We are at His mercy, which is a good place to be. <laughs> for the Christian, that's a good place to be. The world doesn't like that kind of thinking. But for the, for the Christian, being at the mercy of God is, is a great place to be. So verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. Now, some, some commentators, um, and John Calvin was one, who, who uh, interpreted this section as being unconnected sayings. So it's like the, the Lord is just moving through um, different topics, as it were, and, and uh, there, there's really no connection. You know, we just have here a... A, uh, a several principles, sayings put together. I disagree. 
I think, I think there is a flow throughout this sermon. Again, Jesus is talking about a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. A, a true righteousness. He's talking about uh, what characterizes kingdom living. And in this um, immediate passage, he's just been talking about judgment. And that theme of judgment runs throughout chapter 7. You look at verse 1, "...judge not that you be not judged." For with what judgment you are judged, you will, you will be judged. And you get all the way down past where we are today. Look at verse 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree, verse 19, every tree that does not bear bad fruit is, is good. That does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Pardon me. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. There he's talking about recognizing false prophets, but he's still talking about judging. See, there's a, there's a theme there. And overall, he's talking about righteousness. The righteousness of the kingdom. Being like Him. So, in all of these things, in our giving, for example, he talks about almsgiving verse in chapter 6. In our giving, in our praying, again chapter 6. In our fasting, again chapter 6. In our judging, chapter 7. He's calling for true, genuine righteousness. In other words, He wants us to not be hypocritical like the Pharisees. Again, chapter 5, verse 20. If your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, or else you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, that was the, chapter 5, verse 20 is the first part of the inclusio or, or bracket. I think the other one is, is here, verse 12, that uh, Lord willing, again, we'll, uh, we'll deal with tonight. Um, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You've got to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 48, 548, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then chapter 7, verse 12, Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. All the way through here, he's been talking about um, the right application of the law and the prophets, especially back in chapter 5. He goes through several examples. And then now he sums it up. Sums it up. You do this, what, what you want men to do to you, that's what you do to them. And in doing that, you have fulfilled the law and the prophets. That's, and that's quite a saying, by the way. We're talking about, well, if, if you just go back a few pages to the beginning of Matthew, and then everything before that in your Bible, that's what Jesus is referring to. If, if you want to fulfill that, okay, the law and the prophets, Jesus says, here's, here's how you do it. Verse 12, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. In that you fulfill the law and the prophets. In that your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. In that you are perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. In fact, in that you will be called sons of God because um, you will be acting like Him. That's chapter 5, verse 44 and 45. 
what part in all of that does verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 play? Let's go back to verse 7 again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. It will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Okay, again, this is, this is not disconnected. In other words, Jesus didn't just jump subjects and say, Now, <clears throat> maybe some of you are wondering how to get things from God. And, and here's how you, you, just, you just ask. And whatever whim you have... You ask, believe that you receive, and you'll receive it. That's not, that's not where he's going with this. He's talking about, I think, something specific, something particular. He still has in view what he's been talking about the whole way through. That is righteousness. Being perfect, as our Father in Heaven is perfect. Right living, unhypocritical giving, and praying, and fasting. Avoiding judgmentalism and yet using discernment and discrimination in the, in the right way. That's the balance you find in the first few verses of this chapter. Don't be judgmental yet. At the same time, you have to have discernment. How are you going to do all that? How, how are you going to not be judgmental? How are you going to avoid that spirit? How are you going to be unhypocritical in your, your, your giving and your praying and your fasting? How are you going to have the right motives? You need God's enablement. His power. How do you get that? If I may say it that way, and again, I, 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 I'm not suggesting that um, God is servant to our wishes. In other words, we demand something, He gives it. No! In fact, that's, that's the opposite attitude that's being communicated here. What, what Jesus is talking about is a dependence on the gracious giving of God. The kingdom heir, the children of the kingdom, they're poor in spirit, they're meek, they're peacemakers, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're unhypocritical in their living. They're not judgmental. And probably every one of His hearers are just like you and I, and they're saying something like, who then can be saved? <laughs> because I'm eliminated. And Jesus knows that. So He says, here's what you do. You want to have discernment? You want to be godly? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you want to reflect the glory of God through your life? Do you want to reflect His character and attributes? Do you see a lack in your life concerning these things? Can you, look, can you look at self and say, 
man, I'm, I'm lacking. I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness as I should. I'm not meek like I should be. I'm not a peacemaker like Jesus. Poverty of spirit, I still think too highly of myself. So Jesus says, here's what you do. You ask. You ask God for it. He's the source. You're, you're dependent on His grace. So, so go to Him and, and go persistently. That's another interesting uh, concept here that this is not the only place that it's found. But Jesus is saying, you, you ask and you keep asking. You, you ask expecting to receive and it will be given to you. And that's verse 7. Ask, and, and the verbs here are, are present. Um, present, active, that is, again, they speak of continual action. That is, you keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. And if you're like me, um, probably are, I think, because I think we all fit this. But if you're like me, you, you, you don't get to the place to where you say, oh, I'm there. I've got, I've got all the, I'm as meek as I need to be. I'm as, I'm as humble as I need to be. I, I have arrived. Apostle Paul didn't even get there. He said, I don't count myself to have apprehended. It's an amazing statement, isn't it? Coming, I mean, if you read the life of Paul, and you would think that if anybody apprehended in this sense, it was Paul. Paul said, oh, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but I tell you what I do, I keep pressing toward the goal. I keep asking. I keep seeking. I keep knocking. Be persistent, Jesus is saying. And that's, that's the idea there. I don't think there's any real distinction. Again, some commentators make distinction out of, you know, what ask is just kind of a, a, a gentle, meek way of requesting something. And seek means there's, there's a little more passion in it. And, you know, you really pursue it. And then knock, you know, you've really got desperate. So you're pounding the door down. I'm not sure that there's really a, that distinction to be made in these words. I think Jesus is just using the three Words to emphasize the importance of persistence. Perseverance. He's just saying, don't quit. Don't quit asking. Don't quit seeking. Don't quit knocking. And then he attaches a, 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 promises, a promise to it. Um, for, for assurance, for encouragement for us. Ask and it will be given to you. That is, you keep on asking and it will be given to you. you. You keep on seeking and you will find. You keep on knocking and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. That is an absolute statement from the mouth of the Lord Himself. You ask, you receive. Everyone, and then he just reiterates, you know, for emphasis, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, 
it will be opened. You can't get more absolute than that. So, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and Jesus says, you'll receive. You'll find and you'll be received. It's a promise. To persevere, it's an encouragement to persevere in prayer with that promise attached that you do this And you'll receive. Verse 9, he gives a little analogy here. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Of course not, right? These are rhetorical questions. And the answer is, of course not. No, no, no man in his right mind is going to do that to his children. Like a cruel joke, wouldn't it? Or, or just being intentionally harmful. Well then, verse 11, if you then being evil, and, and I don't want to pass over that without, <laughs> without mentioning that there's a statement, I would say, about the depravity of man. Jesus assumes that we're evil. You then, being evil, you know, He doesn't say if you are, those of you who are evil or something like that. No, you, being evil, and also notice that He excludes Himself. He doesn't say we. Well, if we, being evil, know how to... See, I have to say it that way. If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts, but Jesus doesn't say it that way. He says you meaning all of us, because He's not evil. He assumes that we're evil because all human beings are. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Now, He's, he's making an argument for what He has just stated here. You keep on asking, you receive. You keep on seeking, you'll find. You keep on knocking, the door will be opened. And he says, here, let me, let me put it to you this way. Your, your child asks for something. Um, what do you do? Your, your child asks for a fish. Do you give him a serpent? <laughs> no. You give him a fish. Well, he's, Jesus says, at your very core as, as a human being, you're evil. And if you can do good things for your kids in spite of your depravity. And you do. And if you can do that, then how much more will your heavenly Father who has no evil, in Him is no darkness at all, He's holy, He's pure, He's all righteous, and on top of that, He makes no mistakes. So He he has no evil intentions toward you. And he makes no mistakes. See, with me, a couple things can happen. My children ask for something and I can just, you know, be having a bad day or whatever, or I'm just wrongly motivated and, and, uh, you know, I can, I can do something 
out of my own sinfulness. Or I could just make a mistake. But God doesn't. He doesn't do either one of those things. So if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more, and the comparison is it's just infinite. You know, it's not what, God is 20% better than the average father? God is 70% better than the average father? No, you, you carry it on into, uh, what's the word, in, infinitum or whatever it is. The comparison is really no comparison. God is infinitely good and loving towards His children. He wants your good, is what Jesus is saying. I mean, all the way through the sermon, Jesus has been laying out, this is what is good. This is what is good. This is what is right. This is practicing righteousness. The right spirit, the right attitude. Meek. Poverty of spirit. Peacemaker. Seeking. Hungering. Thirsting for righteousness. What about um, loving your enemies or, or blessing when they persecute you? All of these things are right. They're good. You know why? Because they reflect the character of God. That is, God is good. And so, God is good towards His enemies. He brings rain on the just and on the unjust. God is a giver. He's a peacemaker. All these things are good. And in our case, also the, the, uh, the poverty of spirit and the meekness because of our sinfulness. So it's right and it's good that we should be humble. So He's been showing us all that's good and good for us. And now he's just making the point. This, this is what God desires for you. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God wants you to have these things. What are these things? Well, again, it's everything we've been talking about. This this righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. This being perfect like He is perfect. This being uh, unhypocritical, unjudgmental. Being loving. Esteeming others higher than ourselves and, and so forth. Many ways it works out. In fact, um, if you would, turn, turn with me before we close here over to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke uh, Records it a little differently. And I think it sheds a lot of light on what Jesus is saying here. Verse 13, this is um, parallel to Matthew 7:11. Verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The characteristics that we've been describing, you know, this 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 uh, this mindset, this attitude that is characteristic of the kingdom heirs is the product of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. In fact, we could take it back a little further, couldn't we? No, no man comes to God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he's the one that enlightens us and brings us in to begin with. He's the one that regenerates us, creates life in us. Prior to that, we are spiritually dead, which means, which means totally alienated from God. And we're at war with God. We don't, we don't like. If we, know, if we know anything about God, the true God, the biblical God, we don't like what we know about Him. We reject Him. We refuse Him. And so, God creates life in us. Makes us alive, literally, uh, in a, well, in a spiritual sense. Raises us from the death of our trespasses and sins to walk in newness of life that we, that we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the work of God Himself in us. What I'm saying is this. We are totally dependent on Him to live the way that we should live. For, for sinners, I said earlier, I, I, I often use uh, verses 7 and 8 um, you know, to encourage somebody to come to the Lord, to ask, you'll receive, seek, and you shall find. I think, I think you know, that's a legitimate implication there, even though that's, uh, you could probably say that's not what Jesus is specifically talking about. But nevertheless, in other places it does. You know, seek the Lord, uh, like in the song I sang earlier, seek Him while He may be found. Uh, quote from an uh, Old Testament prophet. Seek the Lord while He may be found. So there's, there's a promise. You seek and you find, you ask and you receive. So even somebody who's in need of salvation is dependent on God's work to get them there. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. Totally blind to it. Has no desire for it. Unless he's born again, unless he's born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And now, in Matthew and in Luke, he's telling us, the dependence is still there. <laughs> still exists. For the life of a believer, to live the Christian life in this world, to live the reality of the kingdom, we're dependent upon God. So Jesus says, you need these things. And I think that's the things that He's talking about in, 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 uh, in Matthew. Um, he's talking about the, the, uh, the work of the Spirit. So if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know what we need 
as believers above all things. Brother Carl said it this morning in Sunday school. Because I, 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 can, I can think of a, of a list, you know, at least in my life, uh, and I'm sure I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not even coming close to everything. But, but I know some things. I know some things where I'm, I'm hurting. I need help. And so I can go down the list. Um, I need more help here. Better attitude here. More gentleness, more meekness here. Whatever it is, less anger here. But you know what would fix all of that? Be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus says, ask. Not, not a one-time thing, though. He's not... Again, it's, it's, it's persistence. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And you know what? God will give you the Holy Spirit. He'll grow you in grace and knowledge of the Lord. It's, it's the power of God, His Spirit, that works these things in our lives. Yes, we have a responsibility to do them. We're commanded to do certain things. We have a, even be filled with the Spirit. That's a command in Galatians or Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit. You say, how do I do that? I can't just, I can't just make myself full of the Spirit. No, you can't. Ask and keep on asking. And seek and keep on seeking. And knock and keep on knocking. And remember, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, whose delight it is, by the way, to give you the kingdom, how much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Would you stand? Is it true that we're not under law? Kingdom law, all right? That's that's what, Lord willing, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Kingdom law. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation, which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.